Let's give Jesus some praise. Amen. <laughs> praise him. Hey, you may be seated. I'm so thankful you've joined us today to, to praise Jesus, to thank God for what he's done for us, to share in communion and to dive into his word. Whether you're on site here, man, it's good to see a pretty full house with the guidelines that we have. It's encouraging. I'm thankful you're watching us online. Uh, we're, we're with you, we're together, and we're praying for you. Um, I pray that you're encouraged by what you hear and see today. Um, if you're listening on the radio, God bless you as well. It's, it's a great opportunity to continue to have all these ways uh, to show support and to draw near to God. We need encouragement from God's word and from one another, I believe, now as much as ever. So, so do all that you can to encourage people. If you're online today and you're not gathered together, uh, call someone, text someone, go by the neighbor's house and just uh, talk to them on the porch. We need each other. So we'll do our very best to continue to strengthen one another in this way. Um, I want to give you one reason right now not to panic. This next week, maybe tomorrow, this next year, when things are changing and you don't know what's happening next, here's one reason not to panic. God. God is in control and he is our, he's our creator. The Bible says, he says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And as we trust in him, guys, we are okay. We're more than okay. We're his children. So, so don't panic uh, this next week or this next year. I believe things are going to get worse before they get better. But don't panic. Trust in him. Uh, last week, I shared with you about some changes coming, but I said, you'll have to wait. I hope you've been anticipating. Here's the cool part. I'm going to share with you some changes I didn't even know about last week. That's how much things are changing. Let that sink in for a minute, okay? But the first things I want to share with you, uh, between last Sunday and today, we had an affirmation. A gentleman that came to visit that I've known for a long time, has been in ministry for years, has accepted the position here among us as our administrator. Uh, and I want to praise God for that. Let's give God glory for that. I can't tell you who he is yet because he's letting his church family know that he served for 10 years, that they're resigning. He shared with his staff and his leaders this past week. So our team is going to be growing again. Be praying also for our search for student ministry pastor, uh, for our youth minister. We have three candidates that are all very strong. And I believe in the next three weeks to a month, we will also know who that, uh, that person will be. So be praying for those people. It is encouragement to know there are men and women who are committed to serving Christ and building up the church. And I've been encouraged by pursuing uh, these student ministry candidates. Now to the announcement that I shared with you last week that I was going to come. Here's the, the first part of it. Starting February 7th, we, were, we will be having a 930 Christian Education Hour for all ages. We haven't had that since the pandemic hit. We've had some Sunday school at this hour and at that hour, and we've not had it for children. Starting February 7th, there will be Christian education or Sunday school for all ages. So if you've ever been involved in that, there's a place for you. Starting on that day as well, D Arms will be uh, starting a new class in the gym. Every other room will be full or at least have some people, a class in it. So his class, so he's starting in February, will be in the gymnasium in the Family Life Center, and it will be covering our Core 52 material. Because in February, I'm going to go into a new series uh, called Tough Love, and it will not correspond with Core 52 as much as we have been lately. So stay with Core 52 with D, uh, but if you have a Sunday school class, it's going to meet at 930. Uh, so you might be, well, what does that mean for all this other stuff? Uh, for one thing, children's ministry uh, will still have their children's worship at 11. 
So what are we going to be doing in here at 930? Right now, where you guys are at, if I go to Sunday school, we will still have worship. We believe with the growth that we've had, it is irresponsible to go back to two services on Sunday morning right now with the need for social distancing and, and things. So we're still going to have worship at 8, 9, 30, and 11. But if you can get plugged into Sunday school, do that and come to worship one of the other hours. And that will keep us diversified in attendance. But here's the biggest news. At 8 o'clock, if you love a good old traditional hymn uh, service, that's what we'll be offering at 8 o'clock starting February 7th. And then 9, 30, 11, and 6, 30 on Wednesday, we'll be back to uh, just a full-blown worship, very similar to what you saw today. But I, I told Ben, as we transition for this time, how long will this last? We don't know. But during this time, 8 o'clock will be traditional service, and then the band will turn it loose at 9, 30, and 11, and uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see how God honors that. I believe it will attract even more people to regather because uh, we'll, we will be offering a, a number of different things. It's also good for the band. You guys realize the band is doing uh, the worship set currently uh, four times a week, and they come at 7 a.m., and they don't leave until like 12.30, and then they do it again Wednesday. And that, that's a big commitment. So be praying for those groups to lead us. If you have questions about what I just told you, uh, you might want to wait for the newsletter because I don't know if I can share that the same way again. It's a little confusing, but we're moving forward because we know God wants his church to gather, amen? And be in his word and studying. And I'm excited about that. Hey, we're in this series right now called The Word Wins. And it parallels our Core 52. I, I pray you've been enjoying Core 52. It goes through 52 principles of God's word that we need in our hearts and our minds to guide us. So when our feelings oppose God's word, what wins? The word wins. So we've got to know it. We've got to put it in our hearts and our minds. The first week we asked this question, questions make good conversations and God's word wins. The first question was this, where did everything come from? And in Genesis 1, we saw that from nothing, God has created everything because he's existed before anything else was. God created everything from nothing. I, I pray that you trust that. The world tells you something different. Second question we asked was, where did we come from? And we believe God created us in his own image. And that gives you value. It gives you worth. Whether you love a traditional service or you love a band that rocks it out with drums and, and, and all this other stuff, uh, no matter your preferences that, that do not uh, uh, go against God's words, we are all valuable because we're created in his image. And God said on the first few days that it was good. And then when he created humans, he said it's very good. So it leads us to our question for today. If God created everything good, and humans are very good because we're created as image, what's the problem? In fact, I'll ask you, what's your problem? Because I know you got it. What's, what's your problem? Do you realize what it is? It, it may be not the most uh, uh, friendly sermon title I've ever had, but here's the reality. What's your problem? I hope we wrestle with that question today. I hope it creates conversations between you and others and most importantly, between God. If everything has been good, and we want everything even to be very good in our life, why so much of the time, in fact, on a day-to-day -day basis, are things bad? You ever thought of that? If everything God created is good, and, and he says we're very good, what's the problem with everything being bad? Because as I look around the world, it's not getting better. Anybody else notice that? What's our problem? The last 10 days, it broke my heart. When I see the things that have happened on Capitol Hill, and I understand we can protest uh, no matter what your opinions are, we have that right. But when we take things and we start taking people's lives and we push people where they have to make a decision between life and death, it saddens my heart that we live in a world such divided, so divided. 
It also breaks my heart that a young girl that same week from Sorrento, I believe caught up in a, an internet relationship, was uh, abducted from what I, I understand, a, a man from California and was somewhere in transit from Sorrento uh, probably to California to probably be abused in some way. I praise God that the authorities and our law enforcement was able to, uh, to bring her to safety and, and she is now safe. Let's praise God for that. But guys like this are all around. What's the problem? I'm so thankful that law enforcement and the agencies and whoever was working on that was able to track that down before this girl was uh, probably hurt forever. But do you know the worst of that? While she is back in safety, they believe, and this is, this is a very low estimate, that one million children every year are exploited, exploited and used for the, se uh, for the sex industry. One million. And she may have been one of them. Aren't you thankful that there's people on that to try to make that better? And we need to make that a very big part of our lives to protect the most innocent. You need to let your children know, your grandchildren know, your friends and family. You can't play around with this stuff, guys. And I'm so thankful that these law enforcement people were able to, to bring her to safety. What breaks my heart, those same people that we applaud for protecting this girl, this week on, uh, on our state capitol, the House and the, the Senate passed a bill that would take a, a lot of the protection and ability for us to honor these same people in law enforcement. We have robbed them of their uh, position of protection, and, and it makes my heart sad. What's wrong with our world that we would put uh, people that, that we need to elevate and honor and we would take away uh, their ability to, to even function to protect us? What's wrong? And while COVID is still very real, I praise God it's not overwhelming our society, but it's a reminder while COVID is real, uh, just this week, uh, we're physically very limited in this world because one of my best friends found out his mother is battling cancer and she may not have very much longer to live. My, my aunt that I grew up with had a brush with death just this week uh, based on a major heart problem. What's wrong with us? If God created everything good and he said, we're very good, what's our problem? The reality is everything that's good and us even being very good have been distorted by sin. It's what we see in Genesis chapter three. The reality of sin is real, and we can't pretend it's not there. Somewhere between Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3, temptation began to grow. And Adam and Eve were tempted to simply take a bite. And instead of resisting, they gave in to temptation. Have you ever taken a bite of something, and you thought it was going to be good, maybe very good, and then it was terrible? Anybody ever done that? You took a bite of something, and you were very much let down, maybe even uh, grossed out. Maybe by um, a piece of fruit that was rotten or a moldy piece of bread. I, I, I just love it. About once a year, I've sat down to make a peanut butter sandwich or a, a, you know, a sandwich and I take a first bite and you notice as you pull the bread away from your mouth, there's that mold all the way around the edge. <laughs> just brings a great feeling to your heart, doesn't it? Or how about that piece of spoiled cheese and you try to cut around it because there's only cheese left and you try to work with it, but it's rotten. You've been there. You've taken a bite of something you thought was going to be good that was really bad. My best friend and I kind of got into this deception whenever we were in fifth grade. One night, like most fifth grade boys do, I don't know why we got into this, we started making some cookies when we were hanging out at my house. And we took a recipe that mom had, chocolate chip cookies, very simple cookies. 
and they were, they were supposed to be very good, but for some reason, even though we followed the recipe, as it said, they weren't that great. So it got us thinking, hey, we could make some really bad cookies probably. So we took that recipe and we twisted it. Uh, we substituted all the sugar that was called for for salt. And any of the salt that was supposed to be there, we added extra vinegar. And these chocolate chip cookies were horrendous. But we really enjoyed tricking our brother and sister and our moms and dads and any loved ones we could find to taste these cookies. And every time we said, hey, taste these cookies, uh, they didn't, why would, why would they think anyone would do that? They'd take a bite and they're like, these are horrible. We can joke about stuff like that, but you know what Satan has done? He says, hey, take a bite of this. Take a bite, uh, put this in your life. I promise it's gonna be good. And in a moment's notice, often within uh, 15 minutes or less, we've realized that we have been deceived. It's what we see in Genesis chapter one. This new character shows up in the midst of everything that's good and he creates a problem. Genesis chapter three, verse one. The word of God tells us this. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? Notice this, right off the bat, he starts to question God's word. And if we're going to have the word win, we've got to know what it says and believe it and stand on it. And Satan is always going to say, but did God really say? You must not eat from any tree in the garden. From the beginning, he begins to distort matters. Satan shows up in Genesis 3, but his origins, I believe, go well before that. We don't really know the exact timetable, but throughout the word of God, we see in Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jude and the book of Revelation, we see a glimpse of what happened to Satan. He was an angel. You may have never known this, but he was an angel. And he began to rebel and, and be selfish for his own power and position in heaven. And there began to be a war in heaven with about a third of the other angels. And here's what it says in Revelation, how it went down. It says, then war broke out in heaven. It wasn't just a feud. It wasn't just a, a political contest. There was a war. And Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he, which is talking about Satan, was not strong enough and he lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. The ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. Right there, we see a depiction of how he came out of heaven and his goal now is to lead us astray to deceive us. He was hurled to earth and his angels with him. Those angels are now demons. And they want nothing more than destroy you and your family. We need to know a big part of our problem, what's wrong, is Satan wants to destroy you and your family. We need to re be real with that. The idea that there's not spiritual warfare is a lie from Satan himself. You're not okay on your own. The character and qualities of Satan have been called out in a lot of his names. Look what the word of God calls the devil. In Revelation, he's often called the dragon. First Peter, he's called, he says it's like a, he's a roaring, like a devouring lion who roars. Jesus says in Matthew 13 that he's the evil one. That's who he is. He's evil. John 12 says he's the prince of this world. Jesus is the one who says that. You're like, how is he the prince? Right now, Satan has so many powers and qualities. He is able uh, to have a, a rule within this world like we can't even hardly com comprehend. And he's seen often as something pleasant and beautiful and honorable. He's seen like a prince. The Bible even says at some point, he's like a, a morning star. He's attractive. That's why he deceives so many. Second Corinthians says he's the God of this age. But no, it's little g, 
The word of God says, okay, he is a God, but he's a fake God. That's all Satan wants to be is like God and it never will happen. Also says in John 8, or John 8, yes, that he's the father of lies. Jesus says his native language is a lie. Do you know how you can tell if Satan is lying? If his lips are moving, he's lying. That's just, that's his, that's his language. In, in Matthew 4, it says he's the tempter. And that's what he does in Genesis 3. He tempts them with this fruit. Look back to the text. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, questioning the word, you must not eat of any tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say we must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. We need to pause right here for a second. God said, don't eat from this fruit, but here's what Eve does. She starts to use the same language that uh, Satan is using here. And she's just talking about God with one word, like this word that was the God creator. God said, we couldn't eat and we can't even touch. God never said you couldn't touch it. Look back in chapter two this week. God never once said they couldn't touch it. Uh, uh, they probably said later, well, God even said you couldn't even look at it. You know how children do that? Well, you can't do this. And mom and dad won't even let me do that. God was not as limiting as they thought, but they began to be frustrated with what God was holding back from them. But it was a lie. Satan began them to question everything. Look what it says in verse four and five. You will not certainly die, says Satan. It's not even a possibility. Certainly you won't die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of this from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Your eyes are going to be opened. You're going to have this new knowledge that you didn't have before. And, and they were attracted to that possibility. But have you ever noticed that knowledge always isn't helpful? There is a reason why we protect young children from certain knowledge because they don't need to, to do and participate in certain things. Uh, we bless children with so many things, but, but for their own protection, we limit maybe some of the things they know or have access to. You don't put kids in your basement or their playroom and have the Legos out and the dolls out and then a machete right in the middle of the room. You just limit their access. Try it sometimes. It ends poorly, okay? Some knowledge is not helpful. I remember the day my eyes were opened to pornography. I was a seventh grade getting ready for cross-country practice. Some of you heard this before. And it was like a normal day, lacing up my shoes, putting on my little uh, uh, running shorts and uh, my cross-country t-shirt that we wore as a team. And, and one of my friends brought in a, um, a suitcase, small suitcase, you know, probably about this big. It was full of Playboys. And he just passed them out. And we all sat there in silence. The only time I remember the, uh, the locker room being totally silent. Nobody said a word, but I can remember the position of almost all my friends that day in their faces as many of their eyes were open to the world of pornography and it began to affect our heart in a very negative way. I can still see some of those images and the titles on some of those pages. Have I seen pornography since then? Absolutely. But those images, when my eyes were open to that, affected my heart forever. Am I forgiven of that? Absolutely. But it's something we cannot play with. Some of those same friends' eyes were opened later in the high school years to drugs and alcohol, and some of their lives have been ruined by sexual sin connected to drugs and alcohol, and it all started with their eyes being opened. Well, we wanted to see it. We, we were curious. We deserved to see that. 
there's a high cost for our eyes to be open when it involves things outside of God's will. But it looked good for a moment. Genesis 3, 6 says this, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, Guys, it's all pleasing at first, or it wouldn't be uh, enticing. It wouldn't be tempting. I'm not going to lie to you. If you're a teenager or you're 98, sin looks good for a time. It looks pleasing. That's why it's tempting. But we've got to know what God's word says. Uh, She said, man, this looks pleasing, and it's desirable for gaining knowledge. It's desirable to know more. So she took some and ate it. She took a bite. You've done it too, haven't you? taking a bite of what looked good, but then it hurts. She also gave some to her husband who was there with her and he ate it. They were guilty. You know, some people say, well, if Eve would just have resisted Satan from the beginning, Adam was right there with her. I think Adam's problems may even be worse. Uh, we, are, we are to protect our families, men and, and women. You're to protect your children. But Adam is just standing right behind her, letting her talk to Satan. How ridiculous. Now, one of the things that probably started out okay, remember everything that God made was good, even the serpent. But when he began to question God, Adam should have stepped in front of Eve and said, it's enough, enough, I'm going to kill this serpent. But he didn't. He did nothing. I wonder what you're doing to protect your families. Right now, what are you doing to protect your kids and, and your neighbors? What are you doing to protect your spouse? What are you doing to protect your heart? It's too dangerous not to do anything to just eat it and be hurt. Shame on both of them. Shame on us for when we know something is against God's word and we do nothing. Because Satan's personality, his desires began to show. He began to offer rebellion against God. He began to to show a need for selfishness. He began to show a need that we can do whatever we want no matter what God says. Satan's greatest deception that day wasn't to worship Satan. Oh, we're smarter than that. If I would say, hey, we're going to come in here and we're going to worship Satan, you guys would never come back here. And, 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 And that's rightfully so. But so much of the world is slowly leading you astray from God, not to worship Satan, but first to worship yourselves and to do what you want. There's where sin leads us astray. We've got to let the word win and know what it says and then follow it. If you're married, know that the word says to be faithful to your spouse and your spouse only. There's a great consequence when we disobey the word. Know that the word says, children, obey your parents and honor your father and mother. And know there's a great consequence when you don't, but there's a great blessing. The Bible says those that honor their father and mothers, their their life will go well with them. Know the word and let it win. Look at verse 7. This is what happened. Then their eyes, both of them, were opened, and they realized they were naked. They never never thought about being naked before. Adam knew that. Eve was beautiful. He was amazed by her, but they never were bothered by being naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Their eyes were open, but it was a bad experience. It was like they wanted to get that taste out of their mouth right off the bat. They thought it was going to lead to freedom, but it led to captivity. They thought it was going to lead to fulfillment, but it led to discontentment. They thought it would lead to hope for the future, but it led to shame. Look at verse 8. Then the man and the wife heard the sound of the Lord God and he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I want to highlight here, the name for God here is these two words again, Elohim and Yahweh. It was not only the creator, but the person who wanted to be in relationship with them. They heard the Lord God, the one who had been in relationship with them, they had been hanging out with him for some time. Can you imagine being in the garden and in perfection with God, just walking in the garden? That's what God did with them in the cool of the day, every day, I think. 
They're like, we hear God coming. And they were uncomfortable because they had sinned. Can you remember a time when you heard a loved one, but you couldn't see them? It's often those loved ones that we take for granted and then they pass on. And you can still hear them. I can still hear uh, kind of my grandfather working out in a shed and he, he just had a way of working. You could just kind of tell it was him. I can still remember, thank God that my father is still with us, but I don't get to hear this anymore. I can remember like it was yesterday. He'd get home from work. He would take his boots and his, his work clothes off and he'd come up the stairs and he would yell, anybody home? I knew it was him even before he even said a word. I can still remember hearing my mom in the kitchen as I laid uh, awake in bed uh, in the mornings and she was just gathering things together for the day of school, the day of work. I knew it was mom. I didn't even have to hear her voice. In much the same way and more, they could hear God walking in the cool of the afternoon and they knew it was him. And instead of being able to go walk with him, guess what they did? They went and hid because they were, they were ashamed. It was God and they couldn't be with him. Some of you are much like that. You've come here today and you want to show yourself, but because of shame, because of sin, you don't feel like you can be with him. That is a lie from Satan. Each and every one of you can be with God today if you show yourself to him and say, I'm here and he will take you. Every one of you. You don't have to hide. But here's the first thing that happens. If sin is in your life, sin leads to shame. Some of you are in that right now. Oh, you're here, but you're hiding. Look what the Bible says. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to man, where are you? You ever play with a toddler hide and seek? You know exactly where they are, but you still say, hey, where are you? And you see them right there and you turn and look somewhere. Are you over there? That's what God is doing here. He, he knows exactly where they are, but he's given them a chance to say, here I am. But they're hiding among the trees. We don't, we don't do that today. You're here. You're, you're watching online, so you're pursuing God but you're still hiding, some of us, often behind masks, not a mask we wear for COVID's sake, but a mask that covers up that we're really hurting. We pretend like everything's fine, and yet we're hiding, we're, we're full of shame. God says, come to me, and I will make you new. I wonder what you're hiding from. It may be pornography. It could be drug abuse. It, it could be uh, uh, something you've done with your taxes. It, it could be uh, just this idea that you're an angry person, but you're letting everyone else know you're okay. God says, quit hiding and come to me. Here's what Adam answers. I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. He says, I didn't know what to do. God has created you good, and he wants you to be good not because of being good in behavior but he wants to be in a good healthy relationship with you and he can do that if you will just quit hiding i think there's someone here today that's like i'm not going to hide anymore i want to be with him come to him say here i am look what god said in verse 11 who told you you were naked you think about this i've looked over this so many times i think this is a good healthy response from god who told you you were naked? I didn't tell you. Uh, no, I, I don't believe you're naked. Somebody must have distorted your personality, your view of yourself, because I never told you this. Whoever told you you weren't valuable? Whoever told you you needed this to be happy? It wasn't God. Who told you this? God says then, he knew what was going on. He says, have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? God is asking you the same question. Have you done something that has hurt your relationship with me? Because it wasn't me who told you were wrong. 
See, this sin leads to shame and God's saying, come forth. The sin also leads to blame. You see it in the text. Uh, look at verse 12. It says, the man said, he says, who told you? And the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. There was not even a need for transportation so far in chapter three. And yet Adam says, okay, Eve, I'm throwing you under the bus. It was, it was the woman, as beautiful as she is, as amazing as she is, as pretty as she is, it was her fault and you made her, so you guys need to talk it over. I'm out. You know, he, he, he blames them. Notice what, what Eve says. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is it you've done? And she follows suit. She says this, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. It was his fault. How many times do we do that? Well, it's not my fault. Grandma and grandpa uh, uh, led us into this place and now I'm working the business that they did or it was the government's fault. It's the governor's fault. We point all these uh, fingers that it's everybody's fault. If you're not in a good relationship with God, it's no one's fault but you. It's your decision. You are the one and only one responsible for your relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's up to you to say, here I am and I need to be changed. It's up to you online. It's up to you listening on the radio. No one else can do it. Uh, pastors and elders, we can pray for you. We can share in God's word, but it's up to you. It's up to your own children to make your decision and their decision. How is your relationship with him? We can't blame anyone else. It's not their fault. But sin does lead to consequences. It doesn't get better yet, guys. Hold on, okay? Sin leads to consequences first for the serpent. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, because you have caused my people to be tempted to give in to sin, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and eat, you will eat dust all the days of your life. There was a consequence for the Satan. He had already been kicked out of heaven and, and God allowed him for some reason to have this body of a serpent. He says, okay, here's your first consequence. No longer are you gonna be like a normal animal. Now you gotta slither on the ground and, and eat dust all the days of your life. Think about what that means. It probably means that until this moment, the serpent had legs. I hate snakes, but can you imagine snakes with legs? I mean, I see a snake and it's a dead snake. I learned that from my mom. I could have been in the backyard playing baseball with my brother and all of a sudden, snake, snake. And she'd run to the garage and get a, a shovel. And for the next five minutes, she'd be killing that snake. It's natural, but can you imagine a snake with legs? That'd be a nasty thing. We have been trained, we have been put in a position to hate evil, but also to be tempted by it. Here's what he says the next consequence is. God says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. Here's what God says. You're trying to steal my people for the rest of your life. There's going to be a struggle, a battle between you and your offspring and my offspring. There's going to be a war going on. And that's what's happened. The devil is our adversary. He is not your friend. And there's always going to be tension. As much as he says he wants what's good for you, he is trying to kill you. God has made it that way. So next time you feel like, man, maybe the devil's got something to offer me and you're thinking about a deal, don't do it. It's not going to work out. 
That's why I believe in, in the spiritual realm. It's not just a physical thing. I, I don't want snakes around my family physically, but I also, what they represent spiritually, I hate. And I'm like my mom. If there's a snake out there, I'm going to kill it. And I'm going to kill it again and again and again. And then I'm going to bury it and kill it again. I can't stand that. Here's the question. If you're like that with snakes, are you like that with sin? Many of us don't like the thought of snakes being around and we're passionate about it. But you know what we are with sin? While we want to kill snakes, we've become comfortable with sin. And we just kind of deal with it. We let it into our lives and we, we let it be a part. Satan is our adversary and he wants to kill us with sin. We need to have the same passion that when sin shows up and we're tempted with it, we need to let the word of God win and say, that is no place in my family, my life, and we've got to kill it. We've got to remove it instead of being comfortable with it anymore. Sin has no place in your family or this church or your heart. Amen? So we've got to, we've got to let that win. Here's the way Peter says it. Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Our adversary, the devil, will kill you in a moment. The Bible says, Jesus says, the, the devil has come to kill, steal, and destroy. If you're sitting with your family today, the devil wants to kill your family. Spiritually, he does. And he'll use the internet. He'll use anything of the world. And we need to be very aware if, if something is tempting our family, we've got to kill that. We've got to come against it. Our adversary is real. This week, I was told by a number of people, you've got to be a better advocate. They didn't use that exact word, but you've got to take a better stand to protect things of this world. And while we can be advocates for things that are good as Christians, if we're doing it just because we're good and that's a good thing, it won't matter. Satan would love for the church to lose focus and be advocates for all the things that are good in this world and not come against sin. Our greatest thing we have to be an advocate for the sake of Christ with his power is against Satan and sin and let everything else fall where it may. Satan would love us for us to get distracted on this project and this when we first and foremost have to be bringing people to the good news through Jesus. Are you doing that? Man, I want to be an advocate for good things. I want to be an advocate to protect uh, this community, our, our state. But unless that's empowered by Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, I won't matter worth a hill of beans. But when the Holy Spirit is leading us and we come against the evils of this world, we can move mountains and that hope changes everything. You might, Tyson, I thought you were gonna offer maybe a little bit sermon more of hope today. This is kind of a downer. Sin leads to blame and shame and it leads to, to consequences. While all that's true, there's also hope right here in this passage. Look back to verse 15, and Jesus shows up, not by his name, but, but the word of God says, hey, Jesus is here. At the moment where the devil thought, I've got your people, I've deceived them, and I've won this battle, God shows up and he says, wow, there's going to be this friction between you and, and my offspring. He says this, he will crush your head. He's talking about one specific part of offspring, Jesus Christ. It's foretelling of the future about Jesus. He says, he, my offspring, will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is a foreshadowing of what will take place on the cross. Get this, Jesus is most certainly an offspring of, of human beings. He was fully human, and yet by the Holy Spirit, he was fully God. He is an offspring or seed of God. And in Jesus, while Satan struck his heel, the Bible says Jesus is going to crush his head, what every snake deserves. 
It's a foreshadowing of what was going to happen on the cross. Jesus most certainly was bruised for our transgressions, for our sin. Satan gave him his best one-two punch ever, and that bruise actually even turned into death. But here's the cool part. Because Jesus is so powerful, death had no mastery over him. Sin could not hold on to Jesus. And three days later, he overcame both sin and death so that we could live. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 5. God made him, he's talking about Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that, we, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus allowed sin and death to come into him, to, to, to embody him so that our sins could be placed on him so that even though he faced death, he could overcome both sin and death, and that's what he did. That's where hope comes in. Right here in Genesis chapter 3, in the midst of our shame, in the midst of our blame, in the midst of consequences, God says Jesus is going to win. So today, if you're hiding, you don't have to. Let me say it again. If you're hiding, you don't have to anymore. You guys that pretend like you don't have a problem with pornography, you, you, you don't have to tell everybody, but you don't have to stay anymore. Christ can pull you out of that. If you're a woman who struggles with anorexia because you feel like to have value, you have to look a certain way, you don't have to be held by that. You're valuable just the way you are. No matter what you, you feel like is holding you back, don't hide anymore and allow Christ to transform you. Allow the head of Satan to be crushed in your life that comes from sin. Step away from the blame and the shame and the consequences. You're like, well, Tyson, I can handle most of this on my own. If I'm honest with myself, I can't. Only you can realize if you can handle it or not, but you can't either. The Bible says that everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the, the consequence for that sin is death. You can't handle that on your own. And even in my normal life and my relationships, do you know, I, I firmly believe this, Nine times out of 10, when my life is messed up or hurting with God or with Tiffany or my boys or with one of you, it is nine times out of 10 because there's some sin in my life. You might say, well, Tyson, I'm much less than that. Okay, eight times out of 10 for you. Your problems come from your own sin. We need to quit saying it's somebody else's problem. The problem's ours because we've been deceived. But we have hope in Jesus. I'm going to share with that hope. Maybe today you're like, I'm ready. I'm ready to come out of hiding. The first thing you need to do is believe. You need to believe in Christ and place your faith in him. Here's the interesting thing. You know those other angels that came out of heaven? They believe and they always do. They know Jesus is real, but they just don't trust him. And so they're afraid of him. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to hide. You believe and say, I believe that Jesus is Christ, Son of the living God, and he is my Lord and I trust him. That changes everything. Secondly, you need to repent of those sins that you know you've been deceived by. You need to say, God, I'm sorry, and I need to change. Some of you have something on your heart through the Holy Spirit now that you need to change day before you leave. Maybe you need to, maybe you need to share it with uh, your spouse or, or with me or someone you trust, or maybe you just need to say to God, God, I'm sorry, help me to change. That's primarily between you and him. That's where repentance starts, between you and him. Thirdly, you do need to confess. The world has hijacked confession. In movies and television shows and some religions, confession has become something you have to tell a priest or a pastor. That is not true. The word of God says confession is this, not confessing of sins, but confession in the plan of salvation is letting everyone know with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. If you've never done that, you need to do that today. Finally, you need to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a moment in your life 
that has to be done. You might say, well, uh, can I go to heaven without being baptized? Man, I don't, want to, I don't have to answer that. The reality is God has asked you uh, to be made new in him. And if you're rebelling against that, you've made yourself the, the Lord of your life. He has said, repent and be baptized so that your sins will be forgiven and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And baptism is not just a ceremony where you're sprinkled with a little bit of water. Baptism is sharing in Christ's death. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that when we're buried with Christ, we die, with our, we die to our sin. We die to our old self. And if we're buried with him and we share in his death, we will most certainly also be raised and share in his resurrection when we come up in immersion. So if you've never believed and trusted, if you've never confessed, if you've never repented, if you've never been buried with him so that you can have new life, man, today's the day. Because this world is messed up. I'm not certain that we'll meet here next week more than ever. You know, well, I've met at church the last, uh, every week for the last 40 some years of my life. I don't know if that we'll get that opportunity next week. You may never get another chance to respond, but today you have that chance to be made new. We're gonna sing a song that just declares that, that Christ arrested death. He arrested sin. He, he's moved past it. If today you want to move past it for your life, make that claim, repent, make that confession and be baptized. Would you stand with me as we sing? Father in heaven, we proclaim by your word that Jesus has conquered death and sin. He has arrested the power of this evil world for those that believe in him. Lord, today, if someone needs to make that confession, if they need to be baptized, if someone here just needs to repent right where they're at, of something that's been holding them back, I pray that you would move and have your way among us. In Jesus' name, amen.